We turn to God's Word now to spend some time uh, searching the Scriptures this morning, and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, reading from verse 12 down to verse 14, and that's on uh, the Pew Bible, page number 962. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, reading from verse 12 to 14, and it's 962 of the Pew Bibles. And we're thinking this morning about standing firm and the call to stand firm. Let's listen to God's Word together this morning. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of his holy word this morning. I once heard, and it always makes me think of a sermon I heard when I was younger. I remember the minister reading just two verses from scripture, and I thought, yeah, beauty will be done in 20 minutes. And he said, the shorter this passage, the longer the sermon. Um, but don't worry, that's hopefully not going to be the case this morning. But I ask you this question as we begin this morning, because I've been really moved over these last week or so. Uh, and it's actually changed so much so that it's changed uh, what we're going to be studying as a church for a wee while. And the question I want to ask you is, do you realize that you are in a spiritual battle? Do you realize that you are in a spiritual battle? And we're going to spend some time over the next number of weeks thinking about what that means and how, what it means to be in a spiritual battle. It's very strange language to use, but I, I want us as the church to be equipped for the days and the time that we are in. We're in a spiritual battle, friends. And we need to waken up and realize that we are in a spiritual battle. As Peter says in First Peter, that the, the devil is prowling around like a lion. He's prowling around. And I think maybe one of the biggest lies that the devil, and has come from the pits of hell, that we speak over ourselves is that that kind of spiritual warfare, that spiritual battle stuff, that's not for us here. That happens in other countries in the world. That's not really taking place here. Friends, that has lulled us into a false sense of security that we are seeing creep into the church now. We are in a spiritual battle. And we're going to spend some time over the next number of weeks thinking about if we're in a battle, what do we equip ourselves with? And we see from God's word that we're told to put the armor of God on. And what does that mean for the church to be clothed in God's armor? But that will come in the next number of weeks. What does the enemy do? He does three things, Jesus tells us. He's come to steal, he's come to, come to kill, and he's come to destroy. Jesus is gone, he says, but I've come that you may have life, and life in all of its fullness. And I think whatever we see take place, we can put under those three headings, stealing, killing, and destroying. We're seeing it happen across our society and culture. We're seeing destruction come. We're seeing the killing of 
of truths of old that we've stood upon, been put to the sword. We're seeing people's identities being stolen and questioning, actually, who, who am I? What does that mean? Who, what, does, what does the world say about me? What is, who, who am I in this world? People are questioning who they are. The enemy comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But Jesus has come so that we may have life and life in all of its fullness. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, what we can deduce from that is that the world is waging war against the kingdom of God. And actually, as, as citizens of God's kingdom, we need to be armed for that. We need to be prepared for that. We're living in a day that is trying to dismantle truth. And, and what happens is that they, they paint anyone who stands for truth as, as hateful. But what we see from 1 Corinthians here this morning is that the engine for all that we do, verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. So standing for the truth doesn't mean that you, you hate or that you're against love. Actually, because we're a people of love, we stand for the truth. So we read earlier on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Now listen to this. It does not rejoice with wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. That is what love does. That's what biblical love does. I don't know if any of you saw the Grammys take place, I think it was last week. There was a performance that took place that has kind of swept media and has um, fueled a lot of response to it. And it was from Sam Smith where he was dressed as the, the devil in this performance. And he's singing a song which the song title is Unholy. Now if anything speaks against scripture, surely it's a, it's a song like that, Unholy. And he's dressed as the devil. He's got, uh, there's horns on his head and he's uh, all in red. And Sam Smith is surrounded by people acting like they're worshipping and bowed down to the devil in this costume. And as this is going on, they're surrounded by flames and fire. And there's actually uh, someone in a cage dancing. It's, it, it's awful to see. And we might think that, ah, well, you know, if there, if there was an attack taking place against God and his gospel, then we would know about it. Friends, not, it's not even subtle anymore. It's happening on our TV channels. But my fear is that we as people, we've been so desensitized. And actually, we, we, we're so used to seeing things like that now that it doesn't actually invoke a response from us as God's people. That is offensive to God. It is offensive. Bound down to the devil. And people might say, well, do you know, if the church speaks out against that, then they're just being really kind of, uh, really fundamentalist, or that's just chill out. It's only a bit of music, a bit of dance. Waking up. Waking up, church, and see what is taking place. It is all around us. There was a, 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 a new advert I saw. I'd never seen it before. It, for Iron Brew. And it, and it just says, this bottle is not a virgin. 
and it had to double take it. It's, it's, it's everywhere, even in the fizzy drinks that we drink. There's, there's an attack against the holiness of God. And it's subtle drips and drops. And my fear is, friends, that as our kids grow up and they see Sam Smith dressed as the devil and people worshipping and bowing down to the devil and singing songs about unholy. Friends, that is how they grew up. They're growing up in the ways of the world. We as the church, we have to take a stand. We need to be praying protection over the, the, the blessing of the children that we have here on a Sunday morning. The songs that we sing, the songs that we listen to, what message are they speaking? What message are we singing over ourselves and are we letting come into our homes? But do you know what we see here in God's word? And we'll see it and I'll show you in a few moments. The Apostle Paul, he's not even busy pointing at what's taking place out there. His concern is the church. And actually the outside influences that begin to creep in to the pulpits and the leaders of the church and the message that the church speaks. And friends, we're seeing that as well, are we not? There's a disregard for God's word even in the pulpits in Scotland now. Church waking up. This week, we've seen on the news the debate within the, the Church of England, which was about the consideration of gender-neutral terms for God. What does that mean? Well, it saw the conversation take place, whether they should stop referring to God as a he or a him or our father because of the offense that it causes. Waken up. It's not just out in the world. It's beginning to infiltrate and creep in to the church. And actually, I'm not going to be one of those people that throws stones in glass houses because our denomination has got its own problems and its own concerns. And actually, we need to be praying for the holiness of God to return and power in our denomination and for God's word to be preached and proclaimed. We've seen our own denomination try to erase the, the, the view of biblical marriage. We've seen that over numbers of years and actually we're just used to it now. But we shouldn't be because it's against God's word. There are people who would call themselves Christians, even people who would wear dog collars on a Sunday morning and, and they would say, and I've heard them say that, well, I'm not sure whether Jesus is the only way. He might just be one of the ways. Church waking up. They would say that, well, you know, we're just one faith among, among many. And, and all religions, they, they eventually, they all go up the same mountain and they all reach this lovely place that Philadelphia used to show us in the adverts and the clouds and the skies where God is playing the harp and all that stuff. Friends, there are not many paths up one mountain. There aren't lots of ways. Lord, have mercy upon us. Friends, there is no substitute for holiness as the way of the life of the believer. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, the path that you should be walking in is one of holiness. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, God tells us in his word how we live, how we go about our life. And, and, and what he does by doing that is he shows that we're different. We're meant to look different. We're not meant to conform. Any other way is rebellion against God and comes from lifting sin above Christ. 
And this morning, I want us to focus very quickly on verses 13 and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And what we see from these traits is that it's not a a one-off thing that the Apostle Paul is saying. These are continuous. This is who you should be as followers of Jesus. You should be a watchful person. You should continually stand firm in the faith and so on and so forth. And the image that Paul is painting here that should be evoked in our mind's eye is one of a soldier. So first of all, be watchful. Be watchful. I, um, whenever I read kind of phrases in scripture about being watchful, uh, watchful, it, it makes me think of still game. Now, put those two together, you maybe, it makes me think of Isa. And I think every family has an Isa in their family. Every family has a curtain twitcher. You know, they hear a car door close and, oh, what's, what's going on out there? And, you know, even the letterbox in still game gets open because she doesn't have windows onto her landing. Be watchful. And maybe if you don't know if you've got one of those in your family, then I'm sorry to tell you, it's you. You're the, you're the eyes out of your family. You're the one that's wanting to know what's going on and all these things. Be watchful, we're told here. Pay attention. Be aware. But there's also within this, this call to be mature. And we see the Apostle Paul develop that. And, and don't be childish. Be watchful. And there's a couple of ways this can be taken, but the most fitting for this letter is be alert to the corrosive influences that are taking place out there that might begin to creep in here. In Acts, we read these words, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. You see, the Apostle Paul, he's not just pointing at the Grammys and he's not pointing at Parliament and he's not pointing at the pub down the road in the nightclub. He's pointing at the church. He's pointing at the bride of Christ. Be alert. From among you will rise up people that will begin to distort and, and, and bring outside influences in. They'll try and lead you off into the wrong direction. Be watchful. Be alert. Pay attention. Be guarded. Friends, I'm sorry to tell you, not everything that's said from the pulpit comes from the heart of God. We read in Scripture that false teachers and false prophets will arise. And how do we know they're false? Well, if we're not reading our word, if we don't know the Bible, if we're not watching and being alert and, and, and taking note of the, the cross of influences that begin to creep in, then we'll just sit there and just, we'll just believe what a, a, anyone says. And I, and, I, and I say to you with sincerity... Read your Bible. Don't take it from me. Yes, I'm here to teach you, but you need to read God's word yourself. You need to make sure that what I'm teaching you marries up with Scripture. And thankfully, we've got elders here that hold me accountable. And if, if I go off in the wrong direction, I've asked them to pull me in. Make sure that what is being taught is in accordance to the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God. Be watchful, he says. And in Acts 20, when I've just read about those fierce wolves and twisted things, Paul is saying, he's pointing to the church in Ephesus. Watch out when I leave. That after I leave, there's going to be people that will come in and they will lead you off in the wrong directions. 
And Paul's command to the church in Corinth is not to be taken by the world's views. And this is strengthened when he secondly says, stand firm. Don't be swayed by ideas that are being spoken about out there, that have been sung about at the Grammys, that have been promoted through the media and through all these different outlets. Don't be distracted and don't be swayed by them, but stand firm in the faith. Be watchful of ideologies that try to come in and convince you and lead you astray. If only we took seriously this command from the Apostle Paul. Friends, there is nothing new under the sun. Since the Garden of Eden, there has been an attack on God's authority and a leading of God's people away from truth. And it's often done subtly. We often expect the devil to come in like a bulldozer. He often comes in subtly through things that are said in quiet and in secret. Did God really say? Tell me what we see the enemy say, the serpent say in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? The subtlety of that. Did God really say? Think about the attack on biblical marriage that even happens within our own denomination. Surely, if God is a God of love, Surely, did God really say that? And in those questions, there is a call to play down the absolute authority and sovereignty of God and his word. We live in a culture that I call pick and mix society. You pick and choose the bits you want to believe. I take a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that and kind of mix it all together and I've got a wee happy life now. And sadly, we've seen this come into the church as well. Even if followers of Jesus that I've heard or people who would profess to be Christians or identify as Christians that, that, that speak in, in ways and ideologies that don't belong to Scripture, things like karma, things like positive energy, crystal stones, Buddha statues, that notion, that ideology of paying it forward, I'll do a good thing in the universe, you know, it'll pay it back to me. You know, about being a good person, you know, good things come to good people. That, that, that's not what we read in the Bible. Those are outside influences that have subtly and slowly crept in to the pews and the pulpits of the church. Leon Morris, the, the theologian, says, what does not agree with the Bible does not come from God. That is a really, really good measurement to live your life by. What does not agree with the Bible does not come from God. We've, we've seen this mixture of, of beliefs and, and this warped understanding of the Christian faith. And it's because we're living in what we call a postmodern society. Which is an, a, an attack on, on a, they, they say that there's no meta-narrative, there's no absolute truth, there's no absolute way. That it's all about you do what you want to. It's about being inclusive with one another. You do what you want as long as it doesn't unhinge on someone else and, and offend someone else. They declare that there's no absolute truth. Friends, I tell you this morning, and more importantly, God's word says it this morning. The gospel of Jesus Christ stands in contrast to that. Because Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. He says, there's no other way but by him. Friends, we need to know our Bibles. We need to be reading God's word. 
J.I. Packer said that it is for the Bible to form and reform the church. It is for the church to keep and keep to the Bible. It's for the Bible to form and reform the church. It is for the church to keep and keep to the Bible. But do you know what? Sadly, we've begun to put that the other way around. Friends, I tell you this morning, it isn't the Bible that depends upon the church. It is the church that stands and is built upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's word, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And may God's word continue to form and reform us and our hearts in this place. Be watchful, be alert. He says, stand firm in the faith. Paul builds on his command about being alert and, and he does so by saying, watch these other influences that come. And as they come in and as they sweep into the pulpits, as they begin to creep into the church and the denominations of this world, stand firm. Don't bend to them. Stand firm in the faith. And Paul reminds them of the gospel that they have taken their stand upon. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand firm. Friends, there is a pressure for the church in this day. And personally, I, I've, in my 30 years on planet Earth, I've never seen it so much so in my lifetime. There is a pressure on the church to bend and to dilute and to erase and to get rid of things within the Bible. And the calling from God's word this morning to you as a follower of Jesus is be watchful and stand firm. Do not bend to the corrosive influences of the world. Don't dilute. Don't give in. But do we see here, I love how the Apostle Paul doesn't say stand firm in your faith. He says stand firm in the faith. Because actually this is something much bigger than you and I. This is about the kingdom of heaven that Jesus Christ inaugurated when he came to this world. That has waged war against the very pits of hell. And friends, we're part of a spiritual battle and we need to stand firm and we need to be alert and watchful. He's on to say, act like men. Now, this phrase is sometimes translated as, as take courage. However, I think what Paul is referring to here is more about being mature. Don't be childish. Be grown up. Be grown ups. Act like men. Not like little boys, but act like men. And we read in earlier on in, in chapter 3, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even though you are not ready. And there he, he speaks about the, being infants and about being childish in the things of God and childish in the faith. He goes on in verse thir chapter 13, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. He goes on in chapter 14 to say, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And the call here is, is not to be like, we're manly men, look how strong we are. It's about be growing up. Be mature followers of Jesus Christ. And here there's a call to continually grow in holiness. Don't be conformed by the ways of the world. But this is hard, isn't it? It's hard to stand out. It's hard to walk in the ways of holiness. It is really hard. It's easy to bend. It's easy to go, do you know what? I'm not going to say that. 
I'm not going to do that. I'll just let the world do, and, and, and we as a church will just do a wee quiet thing here. But friends, we're told to be watchful, stand firm, and act like grown-ups in the faith. And it is hard. But here's the amazing thing this morning. Paul goes on and he says, be strong. Be strong. And, and the sense of this word is something um, to the effect of be made strong. Uh, and for us, it's a passive thing. It's more like be strengthened. Be strengthened. Friends, God doesn't expect us to come up with our own boldness and our own strength and, and do it ourselves. What Paul is saying is here is be strengthened. Our strength comes from the Lord. Wait upon him, trust him, take refuge in him, stand upon his word, walk in his ways and allow him to strengthen you as his follower. Be equipped by him. We might think and look at all that's coming against the church. We might see the news and see what's taking place all around the world and, uh, and outside influences that just seem really scary and much bigger than us. And we might think, Cor, blimey, how in the world are we, are we parish church in the east end of Glasgow might, meant to do anything? But the assurance we have, friends, is that God will equip us. God will strengthen us himself. I remember hearing uh, I can't remember where I heard it or read it, but and I want you to hear this this morning. One with God is always the majority. One with God is always the majority. You might have your backs against the wall and a thousand men shouting in your face, but if you're walking with the Lord, trust that you're in the majority because one with him is always the majority. And very quickly, and finally, verse 14, let all that you would do be done in love. Paul in verse 13 has addressed their posture to the gospel. He now addresses their posture to one another. The driving force, this is the engine, this is the reason we do these things. Let love be the reason that we do everything. And we read out that beautiful and biblical definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter. That, 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 those verses are read at so many weddings. We've sat under them and heard them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It's not arrogant. And this morning we, we hear that love, it doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. And the love that the Apostle Paul is speaking of here is not a soft, uh, fluffy, cuddly love, but a biblical love. And biblical love looks like sacrifice. So God has shown his love to us. that He sent his only son into this world. Paul's not wanting the church in Corinth to be aggressive or self-assertive or overpowering or, or to be bullies. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying be a people of love. Vance Havner, who died in 1986, said the church has no greater need today than to fall in love with Jesus Christ all over again. Isn't that true? The church has no greater need today than to fall in love with Jesus Christ all over again. You read in Revelation, you know, that, that call to return to your first love. Sandy Hills, return to your first love. Love is not something we do. It's who we are. We're a people of love who've been purchased with love. 
We thought with the boys and girls, they will know, the world will know that we're his disciples when we love one another. Do we truly love one another in this place? Love is the Christian mark of distinction. It's what makes us different. The gospel we preach and how we say it. That there is another way. And you know, friends, and I, and, and I know what, what, what would be said against the, the, the sermon this morning, that, that it's not inclusive and it's hateful. and it's in, I, I know all these things. But friends, I tell you, the Bible says, let all that you do be done in love. And, and love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoings, but it rejoices and it stands with the truth. One with God is always the majority. Imagine if what we were known for in Sandy Hills was being a people of love. Imagine, this world is so full of hate. Imagine if people walking past or people talking in the street that, that actually what they said is, do you know what? I don't understand all everything about them, but they love one another. They love each other well in that place. Love doesn't dilute the gospel. Love rejoices with the truth. And Jesus is the truth. So we stand with him and we bow before him this morning. Love doesn't look like us becoming like the world, but it's by saying, friends, there is another way. And his name is Jesus. Come and see a man. He doesn't shame me. But actually, he loves me so much that he came to where I was. But actually, he loves me greater that he didn't leave me where I was. But actually, he's taken me on a journey that's led me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. The world doesn't need a church who changes its views or bends or leaves out some of Scripture. The world does not need that. The world doesn't need a church that speaks to tickle people's ears. What the world needs is a church who loves God with everything that they have. Who stays true to his word. And who loves their neighbors like themselves. Sandy Hills, be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your gospel this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the constant in our lives. Lord, that you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, I pray this morning that if our hearts are hard and we disagree, Lord, that that your grace and mercy would reach out to where we were. That your love would cast out all fear. And Lord, we thank you that, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we know that the call then is that narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. Forgive us, Lord, we try and, and add extensions to that road to get more people into heaven. God, help us to be courageous and be bold. Lord, not to be hateful, though, but to be a people of love. Who love people enough to rejoice with the truth. Jesus, you are the truth that we proclaim in this place. 
We ask that you would build your kingdom in our lives and in our church. We trust in you and we take refuge. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us always, even to the very end of the age. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.